This is CliffCentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and CliffCentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg, and this is the Laws of Life on cliffcentral.com. Alongside me today, Lionel Makoko-Klela. Welcome, Lions. Dumela, Gary, and Dumela to our podcasters, and it's good to be in the studio once again. Today we have some terrific questions that uh, we're going to try and answer. They've all been posted by yourselves on the Legal Talk SA Facebook page. Uh, let me give you some examples. A 71-year-old man who can't get rid of his timeshare mm. and can't afford the levies anymore has declared that he's left it to Julius Malema in his will. Seriously? Yeah, absolutely. Whoa. So we're going to find out today whether Juju is obliged to, obliged to accept it. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? No, it's very interesting. There's another really bizarre case of a brother who's in prison right now, Lines. Uh, he killed his father and sister, and his brother wants to know whether he can still inherit a share of the father's estate. In no way is in law. He cannot. Bloody hands don't in- inherit anything. Yeah, according you know to the all law. that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, what about the father? Man wrote in. He said, my father died earlier this year. Before he died, he told us he had written a will in which we would inherit his large estate. Mm. Um, problem is he doesn't know where he put it or where the father put it. They, they've got no idea where the will is. It could be with the bank. Uh, maybe that's the best place to start with. Anyway, we'll, uh, they don't know who the lawyer is. They don't, they don't know anything. So Gee. we're going to talk to our very special guest today in a moment. There's another one quickly. Can you leave your money to your beloved pet? Instead I'm sure of you to can. your ungrateful family. Didn't uh, Oprah Winfrey do that like five years ago <laughs> for her pets? We'll and talk to yeah. yeah. We'll find out all about that. So today, as you've gathered, we're talking about wills, estates, and who gets what on death. Mm. And uh, joining me today, there's no one better on the subject. It's a man called Arnold Shapiro. He's an attorney of Hogan Lovells. They're a South African Firm, uh, one of the biggest. One uh, of the biggest. Yeah. I think they they rank in the top ten worldwide. And Arnold heads up the firm's wills and deceased estates department. Not only that, this very man, Arnold lectures for the law society. He talks to the students all the time on wills and estates. So there's probably no one more knowledgeable than Arnold Shapiro, and everyone knows that. What an honor. Lines, the question we answering or the questions we answer today are, have been posted by, as I said, members that, uh, who belong to Legal Talk South Africa. And right now they have a membership. I think it's now in excess of 120,000. And it's growing every, yeah, every, every week. Day. Yeah. We've teamed up with them and between them and their 120,000 members and us here at Cliff Central with our millions of podcasters, we are becoming extremely powerful in dealing with legal questions and answers. But Gary, it's only, it's beyond that because at the end of the day, this is what people really need out there. Most people never get the opportunity to really ask those questions and get the generosity of qualified lawyers to actually adequately and comprehensively answer the, uh, their questions. So this is brilliant. It's a very brilliant uh, partnership and I really think we can actually see more growth in this area. Cool, Lions. Uh, you're absolutely right. Let's give out just a few details. Law at cliffcentral.com is our 
Facebook page. No. Oh. Email That's address. our email address. Yeah. <laughs> I no. just, I've got a test line where he walks around with an MBA, but I'm never sure. <laughs> you keep bringing that up. Lights, uh, yeah, our uh, Twitter handle is at Hertzlaw. At H-E-R-T-Z-L-A-W. Please go to our Facebook page, our Facebook page, which is The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg, and give us a like. Oh, certainly, please. And you can actually comment on the Facebook page and just give us any topics that you would like us to talk about. And we'll make it a point that we do find an expert within that specific law uh, area and bring them in studio so that they do adequately answer each and every of your questions. Arnold Shapiro, welcome to you, Arnold. I call you Arnie, but uh, you're known as Arnold or Mr. Shapiro. <laughs> Hi, Gary. Thank you very much. Thanks for the warm introduction. It's appreciated. Thank you. Cool, Arnie. We have so many questions that have come in uh, through Legal Talk SA, so I'm going to fire them at you, and uh, let's see how we go. There's, uh, the first one, Arnie, is a real, really bizarre or, or tragic, whichever way, set of facts, but really interesting in law, and uh, it... The, the the posting elicited, I don't know how many replies, tons of replies, I always say. It's by a man called Joseph, and he writes in, I'm going to give you the whole thing. He says, my brother, who's now in prison, killed my father and my sister. My father died without a will, intestate, it's called, and uh, I don't want to inherit. He says, I refuse to inherit. So the... So uh, who's left is uh, the very Joseph, who doesn't want any money, Joseph's mom and the two kids from his murdered sister. So it's mom and the two kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, the murderer himself who's in prison. And we want to know, I think the parents were married in community of property. He wants to know, Joseph, who is going to inherit? So, Oni, let's go one by one. There's no will here. Right. Can the uh, murderer inherit? Okay. The answer to that question is no. Our law will not allow anyone to benefit from their own wrongdoing. There is a Latin turn of phrase going back to Roman Dutch times. Uh, it says, die bloedige hand erf niks, which means that you cannot benefit from your own wrongdoing. So the the brother who is in prison cannot inherit. Uh, however, his children could inherit what he would have inherited as an intestate heir. To understand intestate succession, this is the government will, and it prescribes the order of devolution of one's estate where you have not prepared a will. The estate would devolve upon the surviving spouse, if there was one, and the children. If there was more than one surviving spouse on the surviving spouses and all the children who are either alive, if they have predeceased and left issue, have left children, then they would participate in the order of distribution. So we have the brother who is the murderer. We have the sister who has been murdered. Mm-hmm. And then there is Joseph. Yes. The sister is survived by two children. We're not told whether the brother who's in prison has any children, and we're also not told whether Joseph has any children. Mm. What's important is that there is a provision in the Intestate Succession Act that if you are unworthy of inheriting or if you have predeceased the deceased, in that situation, your inheritance that you would have received devolves upon your issue, your children. Mm. So firstly, the, there are, there's a brother, a sister, and Joseph. So there are three beneficiaries, three children 
I'm assuming there's no surviving spouse because Joseph makes no reference to a surviving spouse. So the estate in terms of intestate succession would devolve three ways and each would get a third. The brother who murdered the father is precluded from inheriting. If he has any issue or children, they would inherit what he would have inherited by representing him. So his share would be a third. If he has three children, they would get a third of a third, a ninth each. If there were two children, they would get a half of a third. Mm -hmm. The brother who's declined to inherit, likewise, his share of the estate would devolve by statutory succession on his issue. So if he has any children by declining, the state would then, or his share of the estate would devolve on his children, and they likewise would take by representing him. If there were three or four children, they would get a quarter of a half of a third share. Mm. The sister who has been murdered, uh, one has to survive to inherit. So it's interesting because if we could show that he murdered the father first and that the father died, and then he murdered the sister. The sister, in fact, would inherit, and her share of the estate would go to her executor for distribution in terms of her estate. In our law, you need to survive. And if we could establish that a party survived by one second, mm. that person then inherits and the right vests. So interesting, in this. Yes, mm. absolutely. So, Oni, I think most of the people that responded to Joseph got it wrong. They thought that if the murderer couldn't inherit, then his children wouldn't get anything. Okay. But you've, you've corrected it for us. Well, Even though a murderer no. has, cannot inherit, his children get the share. The sins mm. of the father are not yeah. visited on the children. Mm. It is specifically dealt with in the act, and, and it says if a person is disqualified. So you could have had a situation where dad died with a will. And nominated him to be the beneficiary. And the same provision applies in the Wills Act that it would go, it, he is deemed to be disqualified, but he's not precluded from inheriting because what the Act says, he's deemed to have predeceased yes. and therefore his share devolves upon his children. It doesn't matter whether he has a will or not. It doesn't matter. I mean, if the father had a will, assuming that the father who was murdered by his own son right. said, I leave everything to my son. Okay. What, what happens Let to me the, dispel yeah. the myth. Yeah. Uh, we're told in South African law that people die with or without a will. Yeah. And most people believe that to be correct. It is a legal myth. It is not factually correct because every single South African has a will. Yeah. Either you make your own will and the default situation is where the government makes a will for you and we call that interstate succession. Yeah. So. Every person has a will. In intestate succession, the three children are the intestate heirs. It makes no difference if dad had prepared a will bequeathing it to the three children or the government will applies. Yes. So by dad making a will, the party is still precluded. I would go so far as to say even if dad said, should my son murder me, I still wish him to inherit, mm. public policy would not permit a person to benefit from his own wrongdoing. And the law and case authority confirms he is indignant, he is unworthy, and therefore he cannot inherit. In America, the, or internationally, they call this the Slayer Rule, I think it's called. I, I found that very yeah. interesting. Um, yeah. uh, it's called the Slayer Rule. Yeah. Uh, very colloquial. Uh, the person who kills somebody, he's the Slayer. Yeah. And our law is exactly the same because their law... The Slayer Rule provides that that person's precluded, but his descendants can inherit. Mm -hmm. And that's our law. What happens, Arnie, if you're driving a car and your dad is sitting next to you and due to your negligence, 
he's killed in the motor collision. Right. That's unfortunately our law, and that's the hard side of the law, because you are declared indignous, unworthy, if you kill somebody intentionally or negligently. Wow. Uh, there have been case authority, case, cases on this, and the judges' comments have been that it's a harsh rule, yeah. and they were hoping the legislature would intervene and change the law. But in terms of our current law and the common law, a party is precluded from inheriting whether you intentionally or negligently cause So if you, if you have your parents in the car, just drive carefully. <laughs> because you cannot inherit if they are killed due to your negligence. Correct. Negligence precluded. doesn't mean intent. If you drive into a wall or by mistake or you hit the car in front of you by mistake, you cannot inherit your father's money. If you are, if you are, if you're negligent. If you're negligent. That is, that is, that is really it's remarkable. It's horrendous. it's horrendous. I wonder if the law could change in time on that one. Well, a judge yeah. made that comment and he said, it's not for me to change the law. This is the legislature's duty and they haven't. And the case was heard many years ago. Mm. While we're on that, Arnie, you do, you, this is what you do every day of your life. You've read out wills, haven't you? People have made wills. You get the family together in your office and you read out the will. Has it happened to you many times or a few times where you're reading out a will where people have been excluded and they're sitting in front of you? They're waiting, rubbing their hands for their share and they've been excluded. It, it happens. It happens. Um, I just, the reading of a will is not a legal requirement. It's no. a Hollywood glamorization. There's no formal sitting down of the family and reading the will. But practically, there is a reading of the will, whether the family do it on their own or consult with an attorney, yeah. and the will is read out. Often the will is read out because the family are not sure of the, 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 the provisions of the will or the consequence of the provisions. What is a usufruct? What is collation? Yeah. Turns of phrase that appear in the will. Uh, what is substituted, what is conditional bequest, uh, trusts that may be created. So a will is a legal, complicated document, and often the family consult an attorney for an explanation on the will prior to proceeding. Yeah. Okay, now I'm, I'm personal. You know, a will should leave a legacy of love. I could think of no greater insult than a parent bequeathing an estate and discriminating. It causes such hardship where children stop talking to each other, where your grandchildren won't know their cousins. Mm. Um, a will is a powerful document, and instead of leaving a deluge of love, a, a badly considered will where there are emotions and, and people are behaving badly causes often a deluge of destruction. Well, Ani, what happens if you genuinely want to disinherit one of your children for a variety of reasons, whatever your reason is? Right. Well, don't consult with me because yeah. I actually lost a client this year for that very reason. I wouldn't draft the will. But certainly, look, but sorry, is this, a, is this your ethical or moral? It's or? my moral. I, I don't want to be a party to a situation where every time a child thinks of their parent, they curse them. And I was the author to that will. I try every form of logic. Uh, I have no right to do it. I thank God, God now. I'm in a Lucky position. Lucky you're not a divorce lawyer. Otherwise, you tell everyone not to get divorced. <laughs> they come to you for divorce and say, please, I believe in the sanctity of marriage. But yeah. no, that, that, that is great what uh, Sarah is doing because at the end of the day, it just shows that within the law profession, there is still the richness of nobility from it. And most people, because of hunger, they just actually want to do everything, even though it goes against their moral campus. 
So at the end of the day, as a lawyer, you still do need your own moral compass to guide you through or navigate through whatever situation is brought before your knowledge. I, I hear you, Lines. You know, lawyers are called mouthpieces. That's really what we are. If your mm. client tells you, I want you to do this and that, that's uh, you take instructions from him, and that's what he wants. He has his reasons. Well, let me ask you this, Arnie. If I want to put in my will, I don't. I want to. I will disinherit. Please make sure my child is disinherited if he marries a girl with pink hair, or he marries a Jewish oh. man, or whatever it may. Interesting. Be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know the, the the moral issue is you're 100 percent correct. I'm the scribe. I shouldn't take it on, but I see the destruction that is caused by a, a, an ill-conceived will. Mm. My comments are if your children behave badly does not give you, the parent, the right to behave badly. I think there's no greater insult and burden for any child to carry than a parent disinheriting a child. You've got the right to do it and the freedom to do it, as I likewise have the right to act on your behalf or not. But when you see the pain that that causes and it destroys families it destroys destroys people the consequences are catastrophic mm. your question's a good question one must be mindful that we now have a constitution and there was an interesting case uh, in a number of years ago it's called the Seifritz case can I talk about it yes Desert? please yeah. uh, in this case it's a will drawn in 1920 the testator created a bursary for students attending, I think, Cape Town University, and he excluded or he, he directed that it was only available to Europeans, to people of European descent. Well, in those he, days, it was a white person. Well, That's, European was white, yes, yeah. was seen as a white person. Yeah. He then drew an amendment or codicil to his will, and he specified that it, no woman could qualify and no person of Jewish descent could qualify. Uh-huh. There was an advert in the newspaper by the university inviting people to apply for the bursary. The minister saw it, and he brought an application challenging the constitutionality of the will. And the court had to grapple with the two principles, freedom of testation and our constitution, discriminating simply on on sex or color or whatever the provisions may be, Mm. and came to the conclusion that this was an invalid clause and it was removed. Okay, I, please, I humbly give my opinion. I think this was removed because of the scenario that it was in the public domain. And in the public domain, we have a constitution and it must apply to everybody. But in the personal domain, does that apply? Yes. If I had people with small legs and I direct that my wife may not marry somebody with small shoes or small legs or pink hair or beauty spots or tattoos, does that invalidate the will or that condition because it's unconstitutional? Mm. The question is, consider the scenario. That what, if I, which one is stronger, the Constitution or your own? Well, that's what the yeah. court grappled with. And that's yeah. why I think in the in the public domain where it's a bursary to the world at large, yes. you certainly then ca- have to comply with, with the, the Constitution. Constitution yeah. But as an individual, can you selectively discriminate? Yes. And the point I make is if I leave my estate – to my son and directly disinherit my daughter. That's a valid will. It may be immoral, but it's not illegal, and I don't think the daughter would be able to challenge the will. Mm. Understand if I am supporting my daughter, 
I cannot unilaterally vary my contractual obligations by directing that she doesn't inherit because when you bequeath an estate, it's what you own, less what you owe, and maintenance ranks before heirs and legatees. Mm. So you can't negate your legal obligations unilaterally in a will. So she may very well have a right to maintenance, but on the assumption she is independent, self-supporting, married, I may disinherit my daughter. And that is a valid condition in my will. But what happens if I add a condition to it that I'm disinheriting you because um, you'd never visited me? Yes. Does that invalidate it? Can that become unconstitutional because you married somebody not of my choice? Mm. Or I leave my will to my daughter on condition she divorces that SOB that I've never liked in my lifetime. And there we look at the morality of a marriage and we respect the sanctity of it. And the court would regard that condition as ignored. It would remove it, pronoun scripta, and you would be able to inherit without the condition. Mm -hmm. So if I exclude my daughter and disinherit her but I put a condition because she colored her hair pink or because she went out with somebody I didn't like or somebody of a religion I didn't like would that invalidate the clause I can't answer that question <laughs> I can't answer it and the court you can't and, I, no one can. oh, no, no, it, it needs to be determined by court how far did the Seifert's case go you mentioned a few seconds ago about maintenance that right. t- maintenance takes precedence yes okay so I I owe a duty of support to my previous wife, assuming, and I have to, I'm, I have remarried. I've got to pay my previous wife ten thousand rand a month. In my will, I leave all my money to my new wife. How does it work? Okay, as long as the divorce order that was made in order of court provides for your estate to retain that liability, yes. she has a claim. Yes, for, is that a first claim? The pre- the previous wife. Okay. Yes, the previous wife for maintenance. I'm sorry. The inheritance gets paid off to the payment of liabilities. Yes. So maintenance is an interesting claim because one must understand that your claim for a rear maintenance ranks as a concurrent creditor. Mm. Your claim for future maintenance does not rank as a concurrent creditor. It ranks below concurrent creditors, and therefore you can never render an estate insolvent on a claim for future maintenance. Mm-hmm. So only assuming I've got to pay um, for the, for the rest of her lifetime maintenance, um, we're talking of over years and years. How is that money? Is it held back, or how does it really okay. work when you when you wind up in a state? Okay, it could be maintenance in terms of a court order. Yes, it could be for a current wife. You disinherit your current no, wife. No, let's let's, let's okay. just, We're talking of a previous wife uh, from whom okay. I'm divorced, okay. and there's a court order. All right. There is an obligation to pay the maintenance for the rest of her life or until her remarriage or whatever the condition is in the divorce Do you as the attorney winding up the estate hold back that money? Okay. You need to understand the concept. Nothing magic happens when you die. So whatever your rights and obligations are remain and your executor gives effect to it. If you were alive, there's an obligation to pay maintenance. Your executor now must exercise that right. Mm. As such, you cannot finalize the estate. But there are economic considerations because the way it generally works is that you amortize what her life expectancy is to a current figure and you negotiate a settlement in terms of which you make a payment and the beneficiaries then can get their inheritance and you finalize the estate but if you can't come to an arrangement you've got to keep the estate open or put aside sufficient to guarantee the payment over her life expectancy got it you got it lines let's talk about questions that have come through uh, regarding (laughs) executors 
Uh, Tamsin writes, can you ask the master of the high court to appoint a different executor if you're not happy with the current one? Or can you appoint your own executor? The executor, uh, the deceased appointed was overworked and passed on the estate to a friend who was not great and so on. Can the master also nominate someone? Let's talk about executors generally. When you draft a will, who should be an executor and how do you replace in terms of Tamsin's request? All right. Please forgive me once again. I can just talk through my own experience. I'm being personal. Uh, I will give you the other side of the coin. Um, When I draft wills, and I hope none of my partners are listening, I think the highest honor of trust you can give anybody is make them an executor. I think there's an abuse of power by parties who draw wills, who nominate themselves as executors, as trustees, as guardians, and they're a hair's breadth away from being the sole heir of an unknown person's estate. Mm-hmm. It is the highest honor of trust. You are saying to somebody, here are written instructions. Here's the key to my safe. And when I'm not there, I trust you're going to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. My comments are, don't give it to a stranger. They don't deserve it. I meet you. I tell you I'm a hotshot lawyer. I should be your executor. And your wife in her hour of need has to come to a complete stranger, cap in hand, and say, please, sir, can I have some of my husband's estate? I wouldn't do it to my wife. I don't do it to my clients. My advice is always consider nominating family. Now, it's not one size fits all. Why do I recommend family? My first reason is I'm not a psychologist. I deal with estates. I've seen the trauma and the chaos that, that death brings. It's permanent. It destroys one's life. You can go into a corner and wither away, but most people have responsibilities. You have other children. You have commitments. You need to build a bridge and get over it. I believe by being involved in the estate is therapeutic. My second reason, you've got a right to appoint an agent of your choice. If I'm the executor to remove me, and we're going to deal with that in the question, it's an impeachment proceeding. You've got to go to the high court and bring a really complicated application to show it's undesirable that I should be the executor. Now, to go to court and say he's overworked and he's not returning calls on the day I leave messages would not be a ground. It doesn't cut it. Mm. You've got to show it's absolutely undesirable that this person be the executor. I was involved in a case where a person had nominated his sister to be an executor, and the sister took issue with the family. And her comments were, as executor, I'm going to make sure you get nothing. Hmm. Now, you can understand there it's undesirable hmm. that that person be the executor because she was emotionally charged up breaching her fiduciary duty. Hmm. So by having an agent... You now can terminate the mandate without going to court. Mm. The executor's fee by its nature is iniquitous. How much is it? 3.5% of the gross value of the estate. And if the executor or the agent is registered for VAT, you may charge VAT. So it works out at almost 4%. Mm. Now, that is simply dependent on the value. Of an estate that has no relevance or bearing to, to the, the complexity. Yeah. It's just a tariff charge. Mm. And a tariff charge by its nature we know in is litigation. That negoti- is that negotiable okay. or not really? Yeah. Well, it's more than negotiable because in your world you can stipulate any amount. Mm. So, But if you say I'm nominating A to be my executor and he'll get a fee of 10 rand, he doesn't have to accept it. Yes. So you need to be reasonable, but you it's, it's the maximum fee per tariff where the will is silent. Mm. And it's still tempered by the master increasing or reducing it for special reasons. Mm. So what is important is by having a member of family, they can appoint an agent of their choice. If they become disenchanted they've got a right to terminate the mandate by simply writing a letter and terminating no court application. They've got the right to negotiate with an agent 
on the basis that the fee is commensurate to the work and relevant to the work done, not simply the size of the estate. Mm. The irony is that the bigger the estate, the easier it is to wind up because the affairs are in order. Their tax affairs are in order. They don't have six bank accounts under each pillow in the house. There's usually a marriage that's registered. There are Mm. children that are known. So those are my reasons for saying consider family. Okay, I wanted to just give the flip side of it. I went to a talk by uh, one of the uh, competent people in one of the big trust companies, and she was aghast and said, I cannot believe the stupidity of attorneys drawing wills and nominating family. The administration of an estate is a complicated affair. It impacts on almost every discipline of law. How How can you impose... On a spouse in the hour of need by, if you wish to do it, have a co-executor by an attorney. And once again, I, I, I try to see her afterwards and explain why I recommend clients to have family. Arnie, let's, uh, on the same point, why do the banks nominate themselves as executors every time? Or well, don't they? Okay, or, the banks do. The yeah. reason is the banks never used to charge for wills. They were not by law able to charge for wills. Mm. So they drew wills, and by nominating themselves as executors, they had an income stream of matters that would flow back to the bank. Yes. So it was penny wasn't. Oh, not pennywise and pounds. It was the other way around because they sacrificed a fee knowing that they would get the executor's fee and wind it up in a state. But they they can now charge for drafting a will, am I right? They do charge, but they they charge a nominal amount, I think only about 300 rand. Really? 50, yeah. Yeah. And they actually have like a board of um, attorneys whom they actually do send the wills to. Then uh, the attorneys would actually administer those wills in terms of actually making sure that they… You mean on on death? That's right. Yep. And then the someone's getting the executor's fee. That's Correct. Well, that's, that's what yeah. the bank gets. That's yeah. what that's, they get. That's their goodwill. Do people go to a bank or do people go to an attorney or where do they go to draft their will? Okay. Um, banks can draft wills. Attorneys draft wills. Accountants draft wills. They're we, competent. Ob- obviously, we as attorneys are pushing for our for ourselves, for our own brothers. So we would recommend you go to an attorney. And, and an attorney who knows what he's doing, like Arnie. Oh, but, thank you. Uh, okay, yeah. let, let me tell you why I recommend that. I've never knocked the institutions. They're good. Yeah. If they weren't good, they wouldn't be around for as long as they, they're around. They do the work. They do it damn well. And this is their core business. Yeah. Once again, please, I, I can only talk from my own experience. I think the will is the most beautiful document a person can draft. People have the wrong paradigm. They see the will as dealing with their death. And I can tell you there are a lot of emotions when I consult with a client. I change the paradigm. The will has nothing to do with that party. They're dead. Mm. But it has consequences for those who survive. And that's why it's such a beautiful document. And that's why I'm back to my legacy of love and why I won't draft a will that breaks families. You you have people coming in, the testator, the pe- person making the will, right. and with a, with a child. Uh, sometimes uh, the, the children are the ones, the parents are elderly, so the child is the one that's kind of instructing you. Do you have that as well? Okay. I'm very conscious of that. I need to tell you that I consult more often today than I did yesterday yeah. with parents and the children sitting in the room. It's a family affair. When I grew up, there were two things you never spoke to your parents about. One was sex, and even worse was death. It was a taboo topic. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, I consult with a family. A mom and dad say, this is our legacy to you. If there's an issue you need me to change, tell me while I'm alive, because when I'm not here, it's going to be too 
relate and why I'm putting your share in a trust. It's actually to protect you. You have a bad marriage if I give it to you. So at least there's an explanation to the children of what's being done in their interests. Absolutely. So well, just, yeah, okay, yeah, I ahead. want to just make the point. Yeah. I, I, it's no holier than thou. My comments are that it is the most important document that you can draw. I will not take written instructions. Clients consult with me and they put on a will and they say, Arnold, is this a good will? And I say to them, I can't answer you. And they say, hang on, I'm told you're an expert. If you can't answer me, who can? Mm. And I say to them, let me tell you why I can't answer you, because what makes a good will? Mm. A good will encapsulates your intention. And if this will does not encapsulate your intention, it's a bad will. I don't know your intention. That's why I can't tell you if it's a good will. So can, I, can I leave my money to my dog instead of my children? Okay, Yes, but you can't leave it to the dog in the will directly to the dog. The dog is not a person. It cannot accept the responsibility and accept the inheritance. But you could create a trust to care for your dog. How does that work in practice? The money goes into a trust and every month is maintenance paid? Well, to, then, uh, to the dog. Yeah, kind of to, to, uh, to keep the dog, yeah. <laughs> okay, give him give a bite. Yeah, the money is put a into a, a trust and the trustees, the clauses, I can tell you that it, my own experience has been I wish parents spent as much time on caring for their children and the guardians of their children as families do for their pets. Mm. They painstakingly go through every clause. They record who the vet should be. They have a letter of wishes, what the trustees' duties are, how often the vet should visit the family, etc. I had an estate where a person left her estate in a trust to keep the house open so that the domestic Animals could be cared for until the death of the last one. Really? Wow. So it's got to be given to a person. You can't bequeath it. And there have been cases. If you go on to Google, you'll see hens that were left 10 million rand and, mm. or pounds, I think, even. <laughs> there was a famous hen. Yeah. Not, a cock, <laughs> <laughs> Not a cock, Not a cock. Megan writes in. She says, I need the same advice regarding... My husband's will, the lawyer appointed himself as executor. We were talking about this in my husband's will, and I'm the sole heir, and there's no money or policies, only a house and furniture. What can I do so that he will stand down because he wants to be paid before he gives me the original will and I'm unemployed? I mean, this is crazy stuff. The lawyer wants to get paid in advance. Jeez. All right, let's talk about that. You know, knowledge is power. What the Administration of Estates Act says, any person who has the custody or control of a document being or purporting to be a will mm. shall peremptory as soon as the death comes to his knowledge deliver it to the master mm-hmm. now what is important is there's a provision in the administration of a states act which criminalizes a breach and the most heinous crime you can commit in terms of that act is any person who steals willfully destroys conceals damages a document being or purporting to be a will Mm-hmm. So all she has to do is go to the master and say, my father's will is with the attorney, son, so I would even refer it to the law, law society, society yeah. mm-hmm. and say there's a breach of this provision in terms of the act. He's obliged to send the will to the master. Here's another one that tickled me. It comes from Temba. He says, my family is in the process of winding up a deceased estate. The lawyer working on this has requested we prepare the L&D account, the liquidation, liquidation. distribution account. What? Uh, is it his responsibility or ours? I mean, no, it's the lawyer's ever? responsibility. Because yeah. yeah. after, sorry, because I'm dealing with this. <laughs> so, what happens is that when there is a will, uh, the banks in 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 a case where you've got a, a 
a will with a bank. They would actually appoint Lionel attorneys, for example, and they would give us everything. Then we'd actually start calling the banks as well as the insurance companies whom you actually have like life policies or accounts with to close those. And they have to give us what they call a COB, a certificate of balance. And with that certificate of balance would actually need to really record each and every asset that you have and really now put it but into. It's, it's, you are correct, Lance. Yes. It's the lawyer's responsibility. That's exactly. Are so because they wouldn't know. Any, any lawyer who says, listen, you go draft the L&D. It's what like the? a doctor saying you go and take out your own appendix. It's, yes. it's, it's exactly. ludicrous. It's a good it? example. Gee, yeah. it, you know, it's a complicated document to draw. It yes. is prescribed by regulation. Yeah. But that's the crux of the administration. Uh, it's horrific. It's, it's absolutely no. crazy, isn't it? As Shirley Ann says, is it possible it could take more than 11 months to get a letter of executorship from the master for a deceased estate? Can I say it depends? Because, yes, we've seen other uh, matters that have been dragging on for two years. To get the letter of exactly, And in some cases, you'd find that you need to speak to the client. In some cases, like there's one case that we are actually dealing with. And, um, Let's hear from Arnie. Yes. What are you, I mean, oh, no, it, it, you know, it shouldn't happen. If you look at the words of the Act, you've got 14 days from date of death to report the estate. You should get letters of executorship within a week or two. Where it becomes problematic are the practicalities. Number one... If there's no will, the master wants a proof of the marriage. And many times that takes difficulty. There could be the practical procedure of somebody contesting the will. And therefore, the master is not going to grant letters of executorship. There is a stopgap where you can appoint an interim curator. But there can be practical problems relating firstly to to, to, to death certificates, to the identity documents mm-hmm. of the deceased, to the marital status. But in the normal course, Arnie, this I is know, a this question. is an exception. Let me ask you this, Arnie. Assuming you're having – and if, if there are so many people that are posting problems with the attorneys that are handing the estates – can they go direct to the master and complain and say, look, this attorney's messing with me? Uh, absolutely. Where, where, where can you go? Absolutely. That's the first port of call. Go to the, the master is there to oversee it's the It's called the master of the high court. Correct. It's unfortunate because it, the master carries a connotation of status. There's no status. It is the title given to a government official yeah. who's appointed by the minister yeah. to oversee the estate. Do they have time for the public? Do they encourage the public? They do have time. The master's hours, strangely enough, to the public are in the mornings only because in the afternoon they do their work. There's a help desk at all master's offices which are manned by attorneys to assist. Where are these master's offices? Okay, there's in Johanna, in, in Gauteng, there's yeah. Pretoria, there's yeah. Johannesburg. In terms of the act, wherever there's a high court. Okay, the so we can, we can look it up, master of the high there are court. There 15 master of the now high court. Now what number, you've got to give him a number, don't you? You can't just rock up there. Or can you give him the, the deceased's name or how, do you, how okay. does that work? Interesting. You know what? The master has recently computerized and gone national. Yeah. So, Every estate reported is now reflected on a computer. Mm. And there is a site which parties can go to www.justice.gov.za. It's the ICMS web portal. And on that, if you've got the person's name and his ID, you would be able to pick up if the estate's reported and what progress has mm. been made. Excellent. And uh, you can't complain on that. You have to go in and complain. Or well, write a letter. You, you can address a letter to the master yeah. and just record the estate name, the estate number, because you'd pick that up on the portal Absolutely. and record your concerns, and the master will respond and communicate with the executor. 
Excellent. Let's talk about, it's been all over the press, Arnie. We're moving a little further away from, from executives now. There's a man called Eben Kombrink. He's 71 years old. He told the National Consumer Commission's public inquiry in Durban a few days ago that his two-week timeshare in Bella Bella Nature Reserve has become to him a financial burden. Uh, he says he can't get rid of this timeshare. He can't afford the levies. So, quote, I've left it to Julius Malema in my will. Now, I don't know whether he's serious or not, but let's, let's, let's assume he's serious. What is, can you leave a liability to someone? Okay. And, and what, well, is, what is uh, Juju do? Does he accept it or reject it? Okay, if I can just backtrack for yeah. one second. Under old law, there was the adiation and repudiation. Adiation was acceptance of an inheritance. Repudiation was rejection. Mm. It was critical because under the common law, if you accepted the inheritance, you acquired it warts and all. So if the estate was insolvent, you acquired an insolvent estate and you could become insolvent. Under our current law, you cannot inherit debt. Mm. So you can't bequeath to somebody debt. They don't have to accept it. So it's taken for granted that everybody accepts the inheritance unless they intentionally wish to decline it. And that's where we started talking, where you've got statutory succession and it goes to your children. Mm -hmm. So you can exercise an informal estate plan by declining to accept a parent's inheritance and it goes to your children and you skip a generation with double charges, executors, fees, estate duty, etc. In regard to a bequest, you may bequeath anything that you own. So if you had to bequeath a debt to a party, they've got an election. They don't have to accept it. I owe the bank an overdraft. I'm asking that you accept the liability and bequeath it to somebody. I have somebody. a car. It's worth 500000 250 has been paid off. 250 is owed to the bank. I bequeath it to, to Lionel. Okay. Yeah. That applies more often than not. Take immovable property. I yeah. own an immovable property. It's bonded. Yeah. In the principle of law, unless the will says to the contrary, the bequest is deemed to be unencumbered. And that's where you need the professional draftsman in your will. Because if you leave your daughter your immovable property and your son the balance of the estate, if you are silent on the bond, the daughter gets the property unbonded. And the son may land up getting the crumbs of the estate and your intention was to make him the major beneficiary Mm. so you what you need to understand is with timeshare there are rights and obligations if i own assets i have a right to deal with it as i please and i can abandon it i can donate it Mm. but where you've got an immovable property where you've got a car there are rights to own the car and acquire ownership but there's an obligation to pay the finance charge here there is a right to the timeshare. It has a value, but it has an obligation. You can certainly waive or abandon a right, but not an obligation. And the obligation is a claim against your estate. Yeah. And therefore, by abandoning it, you can't erase a liability. How wonderful it would be just to abandon all one's debt and die debt-free. Yeah. So in practice, you can waive or abandon a right, but not an obligation. So you could abandon your immovable property where the bond substantially exceeds the value of the property. The bank would then foreclose, acquire the property, sell it in execution, and the difference is a claim against your estate. And that claim you can't erase. It's part of your estate. And if it exceeds the value of your assets, you're going to have an insolvent estate. Mm. Well, makes sense, Elias. No, it does. Okay, let's take one from... Uh, which was the one I wanted to deal with uh, was 
this one here. Amanda of Thunderbell Park, she says, I'm asking for a friend. You know when they ask for a friend? I'm never quite sure <laughs> who it's for. What happens when someone passes away and one of the beneficiaries goes into the house before anyone and removes all the valuables? It often ah. happens this, uh, yes. Oni. It's a problem. The will of the deceased did not make him the executor, and it is stated that everything gets divided equally. Do the other siblings have any way of getting the valuables back? Uh, wh- wh- how does this work? Right. Yeah. What the Act provides is that when a person dies, anybody in possession of any asset is obliged to retain it. Mm. Mm. Now, once again, I'm back to my Section 102, the provision that I spoke about, which criminalizes any breach. So if you do dispose of the asset, you are committing a criminal act. Mm. Secondly, by moving into the house and removing assets, that could be common theft. Mm. One would need to find out why did he remove the assets. What the Act says, you shall retain it. In essence, you're preserving it. Now, if the house is not being secu- it's not secure, understandably what he's doing is preserving the asset. Mm. So he had the keys or was in control of the house. What he's doing is a good Samaritan. He's taking it and preserving it, putting it either in safe custody or holding or it. Or he's putting it in his pocket, which okay, is the that's, concern. But that's the criminal action. Then yeah. it's common theft or in terms of the Act, he's breached the provisions of Do, Section I mean, 11. When people die there's so much so many families that are squabbling and we're picking it up from all these postings is did you find that as well that the families just about half murder one another as well over money well you know i i cynically talk about the normal dysfunctional family i don't see normal functional families anymore when it comes to money when it comes to money the sad part is that when the glue goes and a parent dies children behave badly Mm. And the fabric of, of morality, of blood being thicker than water, doesn't is a myth apply. that doesn't apply anymore, mm. sadly. Do, do some of these cases land up in court? People are fighting, take them to court? Sadly, many of them do. Many. Yeah. And the other consequences, people like criminal charges against their siblings. Like this particular one, if, if valuables have been taken out of the house unlawfully, and he hasn't put them into the estate, it's theft. Okay, it's theft. What could happen is, um, in, you know, the, the administration of a states act is the most practical bit of legislation. It's designed to give dignity and order to the chaos occasioned by death. So it's, it's designed to facilitate a solution. What the act says is that you need an executor. So until somebody is appointed an executor, what is an executor? It's giving somebody power of attorney to act. In Mm. one's lifetime, you can give anybody a power of attorney. When you're dead, you can't give somebody a power of attorney. The master may grant the power of attorney. Once you are the executor, your functions now commence, and you must take control of the estate assets. There's a provision in the Act where you can bring what we as lawyers call an ex parte application, an application without giving notice to any party, to a magistrate in the area or district where property of the deceased is, which the executor believes is being unlawfully withheld or concealed from him, for a search and seizure warrant. Mm. And you may then, without going to court and getting involved with a raven decatio, which is time-consuming and technical, and you're handicapped. You can't have a sound. Your client's dead. Whereas this way you can bring an application, get a search and seizure warrant, and go and collect the asset. Mm. But you've got to have an executor appointed. Mm. And then you could lay your criminal charges and the provisions. Section relating to removal of assets, it's so strict. Firstly, there's a criminal consequence. Secondly, what the Act says, if a person has removed assets 
and there is a state duty payable, that person who has taken the assets is personally liable to pay that estate duty as well. But what the Act does as well provide is that you can sell certain assets to provide a suitable funeral for the deceased, preservation of assets, and subsistence for the deceased family or household. Mm. So it, it really is a logical evolution of common sense designed to bring order and dignity. Only uh, one of the members of Legal Talk SA wrote in, he said, my father died earlier this year, I think it's anonymous, before he died he told us that he'd written a will in which we would inherit his large estate. He didn't tell us where he kept his will, and we don't know where it is. Now what? We don't even know who his lawyer is. Okay, these are practical. Uh, the questions are fantastic. Let me tell you, all of these questions come up in practice all the time. So thank you for those who've taken the time and noted them. They're of relevance to everybody. It happens so often. In my generation, our generation, people never spoke about their wills. They never said where they put them, who drew the wills. We could have gone to a bank. We could have gone to a lawyer. We could have gone to an accountant. A will may have been drawn 40 years ago. It has no sell-by date. It doesn't expire. It's sad we don't have a central repository where one can note their wills and if ever – there's a record that who has a will. Often in our law journal, there are little adverts. Does anybody have an original will of the late side? So the master died? of the high court doesn't keep anyone's will. But only he does. The, only after, after death. death. That's yeah. why I don't know why the master doesn't do it because he gets every will. Why mm. doesn't he have a central depot where wills or copies of wills can be lodged? Mm. So if mm. I don't know where my will where my dad kept his will, it's, it's you die intestate. He dies intestate. That's why it's so important for people to talk and let their family know. Please, my word of a word of advice that I offer my clients is get yourself a lifestyle lifestyle file, and in there put your important documents. Don't make it a treasure hunt for your family when you die. Who are your contact people? Have a letter of wishes. Where's your will? Where are your insurance policies? Where are your title deeds? Mm. Let your family know where the safety box is, this lifestyle file, which just makes it so much easier. You cannot believe the frustration and hurt people endure when they know Dad had a will and we can't find it. About yeah, Only about six months ago or sometime, I can't remember exactly when, it's on podcast, I interviewed a man called on the phone, Paul Kruger of all names. Right. He's a, he, he runs the South African Registry of Wills and Testaments, which our listeners can pick up on, on the internet. And uh, it operates as an online national will register it's uh, voluntary. You can lodge it with them. They keep the details. They they don't say what dad left. They don't keep the will itself. They just keep the details of who made out the will and so on in his address. So I don't know whether you would consider using it or whether it's a good I'll idea. Tell you what or not. I do. Uh, it certainly would be a good thing. My comments to clients are, in terms of the administration of a state act, the master of the high court can only accept an original will. Mm. The Act changed and it provides that he can accept a duplicate original will. And I make a minimum of two original wills. So when the client consults with me, I give them an original and I hold a duplicate original. A lot of the textbooks and academics say send a copy or a further duplicate original to your executor so that family know 
It's your constitution. It's a beautiful document. Don't die intestate when you've gone to the trouble of drawing a will. And if you're going to put it in such a secure place that your family don't know where it is, you've defeated the whole purpose. Yeah, absolutely. But you spoke right in the beginning about the advice you've given to clients. You start following up with the banks. Where did Dad hold a bank? Sorry, where did where did Dad have his bank accounts? Contact their trust company. They have records of it. Contact who Dad used as his attorney. Any known parties, make inquiries. But as the drawer of a will, I never make one will. I make as many as I possibly can, always in original format. And if one disappears, we've got the other one. There's a there's a lovely one here. A woman wanted her dog to be buried next to her in a mausoleum, Arnie, uh, next to where she was to be buried. Uh, it seems rather batty, this request. Is it possible? I love this queer request. I actually... I, you kindly alerted me to this before and I spent the morning trying to research it. Mm. I thought there would be some act dealing with funerals or grave, grave sites prohibiting the joining of, of animals with people. Mm. I couldn't find any law on the subject. I found two undertakers. <laughs> One said they have buried people with their, with their domestic pets. What happens is the domestic pet is then put down. After their death And put in the coffin with oh, them really? wow. I do understand that you can't cremate A a, a human being And, a, and an animal yeah. The crematoriums are only for human beings um, I was told you actually have to Arrange to incinerate the animals If you wish to at the zoo Which they do mm. But mm. So one wow. uh, um, Funeral parlor said they've done it And they know of no prohibition Another funeral parlor said to me You can't do it but couldn't give me any authority mm. I did talk to the Department of Parks And I think it's Recreation And I just thank them for making the time And I understand it's a bylaw So each town has its own bylaws yeah. And I was told in Johannesburg There's no bylaw for or against You can't build a mausoleum next to your Graveside and put the remains of your dog But if the dog or the Animal whatever it is is buried with you Then it's okay, then it's okay. Wow. So that was I amazing. suppose you can put what you like in a coffin uh, true. I don't know Is there an answer to that Okay nice question yeah. I, Look people do put mementos And uh, mm. dad's last packet of cigarettes <laughs> <laughs> That's what killed him <laughs> yeah. Arnie very quickly we, We're running out of time Do I um there's, there's uh, Wills Week that's coming up. The Law Society gives uh, free wills between the 11th and the 15th of September. There's certain lawyers that are placed on panels in, in right. various towns. So if you want to get a free will, you must start making appointments now. You know all about this, don't you? Okay. It's, it's a wonderful project. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's sadly... Um, there are certain cultures who have a reluctance to face mortality mm. and in that way they are reluctant to make a will. A will is a beautiful document. It has consequences. You've spent your life accumulating a nest egg. All it does is provide for the orderly distribution to your near and dear ones. Yeah. What the Law Society have said for a simple will uh, I don't know what a simple will is. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad still, you didn't is there not. such a thing? I don't think there is such a thing as a simple will. Yeah. Um, a will is a will. The important point is that that at least you have access to an attorney at no charge to draft this all important document, and people should take advantage of it. Sadly, 
a lot of people who shouldn't be given free wills try and climb onto the bandwagon and that's why a lot of attorneys don't offer the free wills but offer other services there's a lot of pro bono exercises where people go into the townships go to schools go to old aged homes and offer there and those are the target target areas where where elderly people have this fear what will happen if i don't have a will mm. and that's the market that 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 should also be considered, but it's a wonderful project. We ran a show together, I think, in Alex. Yes, in the we township. did. It was a great show that I remember. Do you yeah. remember who your guest yes, was? Yes, I do remember. He was a hairdresser. Dress- he became. He became. He went from Alex to Morningside, I think. Correct. Correct. And uh, he became very well known. And of all people, that's why I've raised this. He he cut your hair. He once. cut my hair. I remember. Yeah. I had. I needed a hairdresser, and I walked in. And I said, "I need a hairdresser." And I said, "I forget the gentleman's name." Is available. And I said, "Wonderful." I had a fantastic haircut. Isn't and it? Only still <laughs> hasn't recovered from that. <laughs> And a week or two later, I came on the show, and he was your of guest. all the people. Just, yeah. I never forgot yeah, that. Big coincidence. Many thanks to you, Arnold Thank Shapiro you so of you. Hogan Lovells in Santon. It's been an absolute pleasure. We've got to – you'll come back again, Arnie. There's, I, I haven't – Touch the. I haven't dug deeper than the the surface yet. Yeah, There's I so hope much your more. listeners will yeah. send in questions because no, let's do. answer them. Knowledge is power. Ask. Yeah, They're no stupid you. questions. They're stupid answers. Many Ask. thanks to you, Lions, and to our dedicated uh, controller in studio, Palessa. Yeah, Palessa. Thank you, Palessa. To you. the most important person is the listener. Oh, to geez. you, we say many thanks for listening. And until next week, uh, cheers for now. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com.